relationships will go through And I give it all away Just so I could say that to what I know, I know, I know, I know that you're gonna Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the very first episode of Just Another White Guys podcast. The first full-run, full-length version of the show that we're going to do. So happy to have you along with us. I can't tell you how appreciative I am for you taking the time to listen to us today. Um, it really goes without saying that uh, my first guest uh, is really a no-brainer. Uh, there's only one person that could possibly be the first guest. Um, there are people that come into our lives and leave impressions so deep that we're changed forever. We all have had moments in our lives that we can point to and say, that's where it all changed. And I'm lucky enough to be able to have the number one person on that list on my show with me today, without whom this show likely doesn't even exist. Uh, without this person, it's entirely possible that I would no longer exist. And uh, I don't really think that that's an exaggeration. I truly believe that uh, if you're lucky enough to find the one person that turns your whole world around, uh, that you are truly blessed. Um, you can tell them things that you have never shared with anyone else, and you take that they t you take to heart uh, everything that they share with you. Uh, you share your hopes and you share your dreams that will never come true, goals yet to be achieved, and disappointments that life has thrown your way. You can't wait to tell them something wonderful that happens, and they're always there when life's biggest disappointments arrive. Uh, laughter is a daily part of your lives, and just. The sound of their voice can make you smile. You sit in a room together, and without the need to fill it with idle conversation, you think of this person on every occasion and in everything that you do. You open your heart, knowing that there's a chance it one day may be broken. And in opening your heart, you experience love and joy that you never dreamed possible. You find strength in knowing you have a true friend and soulmate who will remain loyal until the end. Life seems completely different and exciting and totally worthwhile and taking solace in knowing that they are part of your life. If you're lucky enough to find this person, you hold on with both hands and never let go. I was lucky enough to meet this person almost eight years ago. Six years ago next month, she said I do and became my wife, and I couldn't be happier to welcome to the very first episode of Just Another White Guys podcast the most important person in my life, my soulmate, my best friend, my greatest partner in crime that I ever could have asked for. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for my wife, Nikki Jones. Thank you, my love. That was wonderful. So. Are you trying to make me cry? Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> a little bit, but. I know that you're too much of a professional that uh, when you're on the big stage that uh, you're going to come through and, and not roll tears for me. I'm just hoping maybe a little bit. But, you know. So crying on the inside. Crying on the inside? Yes. All right. Aren't we all, really? <laughs> Smiling on the outside, crying on the inside. Absolutely. So welcome to the show. Thanks. So happy that uh, that you're here with us. Love and, the uh, studio. It is great. We are working on the decorations <laughs> and uh, putting up some fun stuff, get some Superman artwork up on the wall. Um, you know, fun stuff. It's going to be a fun ride. And I, I really couldn't think of anyone else that uh, should be with me for the first one and so here you are and for those of you just getting on board with us um there's a couple ways that you can keep in touch with us uh, the easiest way is to follow along on twitter um we are at jogpod j-a-w-g-p-o-d on twitter uh twitter is where you should be um, eventually there will probably be a facebook page for this 
Um, it will go up on my personal Facebook page, links to uh, the podcast. Um, but uh, Twitter is Twitter is where it's at. That's what the kids say. Uh, so that is, is where it will be. I think so. I don't know. I don't really talk to any kids. <laughs> so who really knows what the kids say? Let's, you know, just go and follow us on Twitter. You'll you'll know when shows are going up. You'll know what's going on. That's the that's the best way to go. We don't have any other plugs to talk about. We don't. I mean, obviously, we don't have sponsors or anything like that. So, so we're not going to worry about any of that sort of stuff. We're really just going to go ahead and jump into the conversation, have some fun, see what happens, and uh, just do what we do, which is roll with it and have fun. So every story has a beginning, and it really only makes sense to start at the beginning. So let's uh, let's do that. When and where were you born? Uh, I was born in Virginia, Minnesota, in in September of 1975. September of 1975. I'm old as crap. <laughs> You're not that old. I mean, I would imagine there'll be a few people listening to this that are a little bit older, but maybe a few. Maybe not that many. <laughs> so, uh, your mom and dad are both still alive. Yes. In fact. Today is your mom's birthday. It We're is recording my mom's this. birthday today. We just called and sang her a super obnoxious birthday song, which is what we do. Right. Um, if you're lucky enough to, uh, not to everybody rank. gets that. No, 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 no not this is a, this is a special occurrence. Yeah. So a few of you out there that'll hear this probably have gotten the uh, Dustin and Nikki super obnoxious birthday <laughs> treatment, and you're welcome. But uh, your mom and dad have been very important to you, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I think they're among the handful of people that I know that are still on their first marriage. <laughs> and yeah. that that's super impressive, especially considering where they started and all that they have gone through. And kind of talk a little bit about that sure. and what, what's happened there. Well, so my parents were high school sweethearts, and um, I was born... I was I was not a planned pregnancy. I think we could say that would be safe to say. So I was born September of their senior year of high school, and then they graduated um, in June, and then got married in July. And they'll be married for 38 years. This yeah, that's right, 38 years this summer. Um, and I just feel very lucky. Like they have been, they've certainly gone through hard times in their marriage. They've certainly gone through challenges and stuff. And I've seen a real marriage, you know, in action right in front of me my whole life. Um, and they're very much in love still today, which I feel very fortunate for. They're pretty cool people. And it, it is really, really impressive to, to watch them interact. They, I see a lot of how we interact in them still. And that kind of yeah. gives me, that gives me that hope of like, <laughs> all right, so 20 years from now, we can still be acting the stupid ways that we've been acting for the last almost eight, <laughs> eight years. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. well, I don't know. Like We'll have uh, new stupid things most that we do. Of, most of that time. I, we didn't start out quite as obnoxious. No, it it's gotten more obnoxious. It has gotten way worse. Yeah, it's gotten worse as we've gone on. I mean, worse <laughs> to other people. It's awesome for us. But, uh, <laughs> right. But I think that's really a lucky thing that we have. Mm -hmm. I think that... Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about being miserable in their relationship or in their marriage and things like that. And I just look at it and I'm in awe of people that can make it work and fight through the hard times. And I think it's so important that you pick a person to be with that you actually want to be with. Yeah. You know? And that's, I think that seems to be a mistake that people make. They kind of, they get into the being, 
infatuated with each other, but they're not. It's not a long-term outlook sort of thing. Well, I think like there's a difference. I mean, I think. I mean, I don't doubt that those people were in love when they got married. That didn't their marriages didn't make it. I mean, maybe some of them weren't, but I think that sometimes, actually, I think always, love isn't enough. Like, love is a huge factor, obviously, in a marriage, but there's more to it than that. Like, you're my best friend. You're the person I want to talk to about everything. And so there's nothing I hide from you. There's nothing that, like, we share everything in our life. And so... There's a, there's a few things I would occasionally wish that you kept to yourself, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, we do... We talk pretty much, yeah, I mean. There's not anything that, like, if I haven't told you, it's not because I'm, like, hiding it. It's just I didn't right. like to tell you. It hasn't something. come up yet. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, it's not like we have new shit happen to us very often. So. <laughs> well, and we're always we do, with each other. with each other. So. <laughs> exactly. And so, not only are your parents still together, but mm. there's not any divorce, really. Like, do you, can you trace, like, do you know where the... How far removed from your cousin. media family? Like, like, my, like my my mom's cousin would be the first divorce. But, well, I mean, that's kind of where my Uncle Dave, my dad had one brother, Uncle Dave, who passed away when I was really little. And so, like, that wasn't a divorce, obviously, but his wife. Is, yeah, that, I mean, that yeah, that's a count. different thing. But so otherwise, like, everybody in our media family is still together. And so do you, do you think that it's just like a it's a family thing, we don't get divorced, or do you think that they just have done a, a much better job of picking the right people, or do they, is it a, is it something that's inside them that even if it's not going well, you're fighting to keep it together? Yeah, I think we're fighting. I mean, I remember my mom and I even talking about that, like, before you and I got married, about, um, because we don't share the same faith and that was something that was a big concern for me and a big big concern for a lot of my friends as well and a lot of them just didn't feel like we could have a successful marriage if we didn't share the same faith and I certainly think that there are parts that would be easier if we shared the same faith but it hasn't been a hindrance for us because we respect each other and each other's beliefs and you know what it, it it's okay it works out okay for us but I mean I think that something that my mom and I had talked about that before we got married is that like we stick. Like I'm not agreeing to marry somebody that I don't think that I can have a life with. Like if I had any doubts that I of whether I could have a life with you, I wouldn't have married you. And so I mean, obviously there's always going to be things that come up that we don't know, you know, that we don't know that are going to happen right. or whatever. And I mean, we have a lot of ad adversity not within our relationship but just in our family yeah we've had a, a lot of outside yeah even before we got married yeah. i mean While our we relationship engaged. started really the whole time yeah yeah like you met almost all of my family every all of my family except for my parents you met at the funeral so. no 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 at the hospital oh yeah at the hospital we met, i met auntie and uncle joe and the kids um at the hospital in duluth mm -hmm. when uh, kate when Addison, um, when Addison was born, mm -hmm. and that I mean, you know, I I think I was I went to more funerals in the first year and a half that we were together <laughs> yeah. than in my whole life. Yeah, it was you know? ridiculous. We had a lot. Of and I think 
I think that kind of forged something in us for sure. That yeah. like we got through that, you know. So whatever else life yeah. is gonna throw at us, we are just gonna roll with it. It's gonna be cake compared to what we went through right. initially. <laughs> and I think it helps that you and I are kind of opposite sides of the coin, so to speak. Um, I tend to be more kind of You're even, keel. even keeled and I'm all over the on place. the straight line and you have a tend to be more <laughs> of a roller coaster personality. I'm a bit of a roller co- yeah. Mm, a I'm bit. not bipolar but I'm bipolarish. <laughs> it's tremendous. So what was what was life like in Minnesota when you were a kid? I, it was I feel like I had really I could not have had a better childhood really. I feel like I was I, I had a very blessed childhood. Not idyllic? <laughs> no. Uh, that's an inside joke everybody. Um but no like I don't think I even had any idea until I grew up and moved away just how lucky I was to have the growing up that I did. I mean we certainly weren't wealthy. We my parents struggled financially. I mean, they did everything wrong. They got married right out of high school. They didn't have any money. They already had a baby. You know, like they did everything the wrong way. The, everything that you're not supposed to do is how they started out their relationship. And so, like, they had – it was hard for them at first, you know, but I, I never really felt that. Like, and, and I think because everybody was kind of in the same socioeconomic class, like, we were all really – I mean, there were people that had more money than us and people that had less money than us, but nobody was, like, drastically more wealthy or dra- – well, maybe there were people that were drastically more poor, but um, but we were all kind of in the same place, the same position. So it didn't – I didn't ever feel like I wanted for anything. You know, like, we always had food. We always had clothes. I had Nike tennis shoes before anybody else in my high school – or my Baller elementary status. school did. <laughs> I had the Forrest Gump Nikes. Boom. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, I felt it, it was a great childhood, I think. And so do you, do you think your your parents, they had those struggles, but they just insulated you guys from that? Like they just kind of made sure that you guys didn't really, really notice it? or yeah. Or was it just something out there or because everyone else was going through it, it just didn't really seem to matter yeah, as much? Yeah, it just was what it was. Like no, nobody was... I mean, I'm sure there were times when they were frustrated. I'm sure that there were, but, I mean, overall, I mean, it just was what it was. That Everybody was in the same situation. The mines were in decline, and that's the main industry where I grew up. And my dad had been laid off, so he was working, you know, random jobs just because there was no other work. Like, they had worked at moving at one point. Yeah. You know, like, it just was. I can't even imagine your parents not living on the island. And, well, my, my mom has lived in two houses her entire life. She lived in her parents' house and my parents' house and their house. Like, that's it. We've lived in more houses in Oklahoma than they have <laughs> I in know. their and entire life. And my dad's life. lived in three. He lived in an apartment when he was first born, and then they bought a house with his parents, and then in the house that my mom and dad lived in. That's crazy. I know. I mean, they've lived within – well, my dad has lived within, like, a five-block radius his entire life. <laughs> That is it's insane to me. It boggles the mind. <laughs> I know. So w- what kind of stuff were you into when you were a kid? Like, uh, was there anyone who, if anybody doesn't know, you know, Gilbert, Minnesota is kind of up on, it's up on the Iron Range. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, near Giants. Well, I, I mean, mean, it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it is, but because there's so many, like, clusters of small communities, right. you don't feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's not like a farming community where you have, like, 
a hundred miles between you and anything. You right. know, like there's Duluth is only like an hour away, and there's. But for most people that we know that are going to be listening to this, if they went to Gilbert, they're they going to think it's like in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. So right. that's true. And and when you go back to when you would have been growing up, there is obviously no internet. There's no cell phones. There's no any right. of that stuff. Right. And so you're kind of limited to the culture that's around you yeah. um, and what's going on. So obviously, there was the advent of cable TV, and so you kind of start to get those influences. But what kind of stuff were you guys into up, up there or you specifically? Um, I don't even remember. I mean, I, I was one of the only girls in the neighborhood. So I was, I mean, I was a super tomboy for sure. I hung out with all the boys and um, and stuff, but... I mean, we did a lot of playing outside, and then I was a really big reader, basically, from when I started reading uh, throughout my whole life. I've been a huge reader, so I would read a lot. I We went swimming. We went skiing. Like During the winter, there was a ski resort up there that we did a lot of skiing at, and um, like that was – and then, I mean, I was into music from the time I was a little kid. Like My mom said even like when I was in kindergarten – I think it was maybe my first day of kindergarten. I was sitting there on the floor and singing to myself. Like I always was singing. I always was dancing. I was like very musically inclined. Always very musically focused. Always. And if you're wondering if you've never heard Nikki sing, you can go on YouTube. There are some <laughs> videos up there that you can There's listen only three to. Of them. There's supposed to be more, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, There's only three. You know. There's three. There's three more than were up there before. So you can look for Nikki on YouTube. It's the Nikki Jones. Yeah, the so Nikki Jones. So just search the Nikki Jones. N I C K I. I'm not a stripper. N I C K I Jones. <laughs> Wonderfully produced videos, if I do say my. That, so my myself. my lovely husband did happen to produce. Genzich. No wait, what is it? Jonesich Production. Jonesich Production. So genius. It is genius. We're so money and we don't even know it. <laughs> so, so what kind of what kind of music did you listen to? like? Is were you. Were you influenced by, like, the kind of stuff that your parents listened to, or did you kind of listen to your own stuff? Or? Well, when I was a kid, yeah, like, I mean, like, a young kid, my dad and I listened to the exact same stuff. So, well, I even remember, like, if my dad would, my dad was the one that was home with us on a particular day or whatever, like, he and I would listen to his old albums, like, we'd listen to Foreigner and Sticks and Kiss and, and stuff, and so my mom didn't like it when we listened to Kiss or Alice Cooper and, um, so I feel like that's, it's my dad's fault why I like the hard rock so much. Um, but so we mainly though listen to like top 40 sort of stuff, like through the eighties for the most part. And then when I got into junior high is when I kind of started exploring my own music and stuff that was stuff my dad wouldn't listen to anymore. Right. <clears throat> and my mom is like, my mom is like Supremes and Patsy Cline, like that's the all, and she liked Reba McIntyre a lot at that point in time. But that's it's, about it. So music being so important to you in your life, can you can you remember like the first time, or or like the first album that was like, yeah, this is really opening me up to music. Yeah, like Michael Jackson Thriller was probably that was one of the first albums I ever got that was mine, and I was super excited about that, and I. I think, if I remember right, I got Michael Jackson Thriller and Air Supply Greatest Hits <laughs> for my birthday in the same year. I'm pretty sure. Was it? When that was <laughs> was that vinyl? 
Yeah. Man, can you imagine Big still LP. having that sort of stuff? Oh, they, I still do. They're at my parents' house. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're all scratched to hell, but yeah, yeah. I have them. Um. And I was a big Olivia Newton John, Olivia Newton John fan as a kid. Physical. Yeah. I, Even I before still, that, like I have very distinct memories of being a little kid and seeing that <laughs> album cover. That I think I'm that may have been my first like boy girl sort of little right You're in the very back. Important to me. You were my first boy girl thing. I had my first boy girl thing with your album cover. <laughs> if you get that reference, you are awesome, and I want to be friends with you. You should send me a message at. J-A-W-G-P-O-D on Twitter because I want to know if you pick up on that <laughs> reference because if you do, you are awesome. That's right. So, music really started for you young. Yeah, like, I was into the Beatles young, too. Like, my dad was playing. My dad used to have, like, all the original Beatles albums on vinyl. I think up to the White Album, maybe. He didn't have the White Album. Maybe think everything before that. And as a little kid, I used to think it was fun to take the big LPs and put them on the carpet and drive around the carpet. I'm such a terrible person. I can't believe they didn't take them away from me, for God's sake. Nobody knew. Oh, my God. I totally destroyed all those albums. Like, I would have killed me if I were him. I'm anyway, surprised, were I'm surprised they don't want to kill you now. I'm, it's a mir- It's honestly a miracle for the pain in the ass I was as a kid that I survived to adulthood. I'm, su- I'm amazed they didn't kill me. It's I amazing was that they still haven't killed you because you're still <laughs> a huge pain in the ass. That's true. But, so, your love of music starts so early. Yeah. When does your when does the performing of music start for you? Well, we got a piano. Like somebody gave it to us for free, or we found it for free. Um, it was this old player piano that, like, the keys are all janky and whatever. But um, we hauled it home, and it's never been tuned to this day. <laughs> it is so freaking far out of tune. <laughs> the sus- the sus- um, what's the sustain pedal? The one that holds out the notes or whatever. I can't remember. I'm terrible at piano now. But um, that pedal broke and. Whatever, so I would just I would just press where it was so I could like practice the action of it, even though I didn't get the sounds it was supposed to make. Um, but so I started, we got that. I think I started taking lessons like when I was five or six. Um, actually from Roseanne Almerza, who was Roseanne Beyond it then, Sadia and Roseanne. She back when she was in high school, she started giving me um, piano lessons. Gotcha. So. But I was never good at piano. No. Yeah. You talk about we've talked about before how you didn't realize for a while that you actually could like sing well. Yeah. Like it's just something that you kind of did on your own, and then it was then someone was like, "Hey, you actually you're actually really good." So yeah, nobody knew I could sing because I was trying to sing along to Whitney Houston, but um, her first album, the one that has like the greatest love of all and whatever. So I would try to sing with that, even Olivia Newton-John too. Like, they're both sopranos, and I am most definitely not a soprano. And so I would try to screech those albums out, and it was horrifying. And so that's what my parents would hear screeching out of the basement. Um, So nobody ever knew that I could sing. And then I remember, well, I wrote this song for um, for Chris Chad when I was in seventh grade, I think I wrote it. Um, I was in love with Chris Chad for, like, all of junior high, basically. Shout out to Chris Chad. Yeah, I know. I would love it if you wrote it. Chris um. Chad, if you hear this, send Nikki a message so she can talk to you about this We're song. on Facebook. Are you really? Yeah. I want to specifically send this to him and say, hey, take a listen to this. <laughs> at about, You're going to be really interested in about the 23-minute mark and what's going on in this. Just saying. Uh, but so I wrote this really uplifting song called I Am So Alone that I wrote for Chris. Um, well, I wrote about Chris because Chris didn't even know who the heck I was. So, um, 
so I wrote this song, and I remember actually, uh, I must have played it for somebody at some point, and um, I'd never sang in front of anybody before. Like, my friend Nikki and I used to um, listen to um, the New Kids on the Block, and we would sing along, and I remember there was one song of theirs, I don't remember what song it was, it was one that Donnie sings, I remember that, um, that she was like, oh, you have a nice voice, and I said, oh, really? I didn't really know that I did. And then, um, and then I, I played the song for somebody, and then we had like a year, an annual variety show at school, and they kind of signed me up and made me audition to sing the song. And it was super low, um, and so nobody really, you couldn't really tell what kind of a voice I had from that song. Um, and so it, it really wasn't, nobody really knew that I could sing until my, when I was in ninth grade, and I auditioned for a musical that we did at school, and um, yeah, like I made my mom cry because I, <laughs> so I came home from the audition. I was telling her about it, and she's like, "So what did they have you do for singing?" I said, "Well, they had us sing Amazing Grace," and I sang it to her, and she just like started bawling. <laughs> was did they did, did they had they not realized up until that point? They that didn't you, know. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah, nobody knew until then. Do you think that? Do you think that you could always do that, or did you just not realize? Like, did you know that you could sing? I always felt like I could, but uh, you watch you like always. you watch like thousands of people on American Idol right. who all think that they can sing. Right. Like they're so sure that they can sing. I was sure that I could sing. For most of you out there, chances are you can't actually sing. <laughs> we all think that we sound amazing when we sing along to the records in our car, but we all most of us suck. Right. And so, like, I was really lucky. Like, I had some natural stuff. Like, I had natural vibrato, and I had some of that, like, I had some things that made me sound better because of that. And so, like, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I just could. And maybe it was because I had been listening to Whitney Houston and whatever, and I was trying to imitate her all the time. So I used to do a lot of, I used to try to do a lot of vocal runs and stuff. And I still like to do all that flowery stuff. I just am not. I'm a little out of practice at it now, and I'm not as good at it anymore, but I used to do all those runs. So did music turn into anything? Did it? Did you use it throughout high school, or what did you do with yeah, music? Yeah, well, throughout high school, I was training to be a classical singer, so I wanted to sing arias and opera and all that kind of stuff. So I started taking lessons with Twyla Ahala, who is a wonderful woman that I just adored. Um, I haven't talked to her for so long now, but she was a wonderful lady. And so um, she she really started training me. I was a cheerleader in high school, though, and that was not very good for my voice. I couldn't sing for most of the year, uh, for most of my junior year. And so then I decided my senior year that I wouldn't cheer anymore so that I could sing more. Um, and then I started playing guitar a little bit during my senior year, and then I went away to college for my freshman year of college and basically like taught myself how to play guitar like really taught myself how to play guitar in a couple weeks, and that was it for classical singing for me. So why did you stop classical music? Well, once I learned how to play guitar, then that was pretty much the end of that. <laughs> like, it's not that I didn't love classical singing, but it was pretty clear to me that it not that I couldn't have been a good classical singer. I have some um, quirks in my voice that don't suit that very well. Like I have a little bit of raspiness that I've always had, um, that don't suit classical music at all. I have some breaks in my voice and stuff like that and totally fine for singing like contemporary music. It's not at their benefits for contemporary music, but in classical music, it's their really hindrances. 
And so I just kind of like came to the point where I didn't really want to have, like if you ever heard an alto when they get older, like they have a very heavy sort of voice and I really didn't want that. And so I just was like, eh, you know what? I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to be done with that. And plus the studying of music was not as enjoyable for me. So I just really started playing a lot. I, I was in a couple of bands. I was in a band with my friend Mandy. We were called Eleanor. Um, and we used to play around at coffee shops and stuff. And um, and then that kind of led in. I heard about this organization called Youth Encounter that sends out music and youth ministry teams all over the world and ended up connecting up with them and went on tour for a year. So at this point, were you thinking that you would do music like as your career or did you want to just, is it something you thought that you would just do for fun and you were planning on doing other stuff? Well, I mean, I always had the dream of like, you know, being a full-time musician or whatever, but I never really, it just never seemed like it would be possible to do that. Or maybe I just didn't have the drive for it. And so I didn't really pursue it at that point. Um, I did a little bit later on. I tried to anyway, a little bit. Um, But I kind of thought I would go into youth ministry, and I thought youth ministry would be a good fit because I liked hanging out with kids and working with kids and stuff. And then there's, like, being a musician is a really good thing to have. It's a really good skill to have as a youth director. And so I thought, well, that would be perfect. But... So I tried that for a while. That didn't really work out. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of flitted around for a while. But you you mentioned Youth Encounter. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty big influence on your life, right? Yeah, like that really. I would say that that was a life changing experience. So I went on to team right before I turned twenty one, or before I turned twenty two, um, and we toured in a fifteen passenger van in the U S. and then in Australia and New Zealand, um, for a year. And I really, I went on the team as a kid. I'd never been away from home for maybe more than a week or two. Um, And then was gone, basically. I didn't see my parents from, I started training in August. I saw my parents, like, in September when we did a concert in Minneapolis. And then I didn't see them again until May. So that was the longest I'd ever been away from family. And... Um, it was it was really like what finally kicked my butt out of my parents' house. Like it was really what finally made me feel confident to be a grown up and leave. And so, how what was that experience like? Not specifically traveling around the U.S. Um. Oh, super cool. I mean, it was. I really loved. I loved touring generally, and our experience is, was interesting because we, um, we stayed in host homes and stuff. So we really got to like be with people everywhere we went. Uh, for the most part, and that was really cool because then you kind of get to know more about every place that you're in, and even though we were only there for a short amount of time, I really liked the, like, getting up in the morning and getting into the van and going someplace different and meeting new people and interacting with them and ministering to them and them ministering to me, and I really liked all of that a lot. What was your favorite place to visit on that tour in the U.S.? We're gonna get we're gonna get to Australia in a minute. Probably Seaside, Oregon, was my favorite place that we were at. And Seaside is where I put my feet in the in the Pacific for the first time, so that has a special that holds a special place for me. Was that did was that in the same place where we went when yeah. we were there? I love that place. Me too. 
I really love Seaside a lot. Let's move to Seaside. All right. Anyone listening out there that wants to pay for us to move <laughs> to Seaside, um, you can you can let us know how you want to arrange that. We'd be happy to. Uh, if we could have some sort of Oceanside home, that would be. There isn't really Oceanside, but Ocean View maybe. Oh yes. There's. Well, I mean, whoever's coming to the table is going to come with some serious shing, and they're going to put us on the ocean. Is what's going to happen. I mean, as long as we're going to make shit up, we might as well go hog wild. That's you right. Know? So, you do the U.S. tour. Yeah. And that does, was the the plan all along to lead into going overseas, or is that like, how did that all work? So, well, the way that the tour is set up is that you, like, we basically started in Minnesota and then kind of meandered our way over up to, like, Seattle and then worked our way down the coast to L.A. and did concerts basically along that way and got to L.A. in December and spent a couple of days of prepping to go overseas. So all along, our tour was that we toured in the in the U.S. and then Australia and New Zealand. And so we were in Australia for, we got there a little bit before Christmas in December. And then we went to, we were in Australia for like a few months maybe, um, two or three, like three, uh, somewhere around, three months, somewhere in there. And then we were in New Zealand for about a month. We've, we've talked so many times since we've been together about, how much you love uh, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. What what's some of the stuff that that you really loved about it? Because there's probably a lot of people that haven't been there. Yeah. Um. Is it is it the people? Is it the culture? Is it just being somewhere different? What is it about it that you love so much? I feel like kind of all of that. Um. But I will say like our experience in Adelaide, which is where so we flew into Sydney. We were in Sydney for like eight hours, and then hopped on a bus. So we had taken like a fifteen hour flight. Had eight hours to relax in Sydney, and then took off um, on a, like a 24-hour bus ride from Sydney to Adelaide, and that was pretty much pure misery. Um, and so then we get to Adelaide, and Adelaide was rough. Like we were kind of going through some culture shock. We were going through some hard times. Australia didn't really get fun until we went to Perth. Um, which is on the western coast of Australia, and that uh, Perth is amazing. I would live in Perth in a heartbeat. Um, I loved, loved, loved Perth. But so, but I found the people overall to be really warm and friendly. Like Australia, they're a little bit more like Wild West, a little bit like there's just a little bit of a rougher quality there. Not that I mean they're very nice people and stuff. But it was just a different. There's a different sort of. They're more sarcastic for sure. The super sarcastic for sure but um they were really we had a lot of fun we loved them and then in new zealand they're a little bit more polite like i would say they're more like canada you know like yeah this totally sweeping generalization stereotype that all canadians are nice and very polite and stuff and that's new zealand there are there are there mean canadians i i don't i don't think I was i've ever not met aware one that they allowed mean canadians <laughs> to exist you said that that team really changed you did did going to Australia change? Was that where the change happened? I think, well, there was one day that was really changing in the Australia part of our tour. So everybody goes through culture shock when they go to a different place. And I felt like a total sissy having culture shock in Australia because Australia is very Western. You know, I mean, it's very similar to being in the U.S. The ketchup's a little different. But other than that, it's basically the same. <laughs> like you go to McDonald's and the food tastes the same. 
except the ketchup is a little spicier. That's it. It's the same. Ooh, spicy ketchup, yeah. huh? Mm, fancy, spicy ketchup. But still, like, and they, you know, would make us eat Vegemite because we were the dumb Americans. So they're like, here, have Vegemite. But I had, I hit culture shock. We had been there for, I don't know, maybe a month, a little over a month. And we were at a camp, and it was just a really miserable experience the whole way around. Like, and part of it, it was miserable because of ourselves. Like, um, we had kind of relied on the fact that we were the Americans or we were musicians and whatever. And that kind of was like, a foot in the door everywhere that we went. And the kids that were at this camp didn't give a crap that we were Americans and didn't give a crap that we were musicians. Like, they just didn't really care about any of that. And so then, like, all of our go-to things to, like, relate to these kids and interact with them was gone. And so then we just had to be more real. I don't think I was really prepared for that at that point. Like, I was pretty, I was pretty tired. I was pretty worn out. And this camp was, like, it was right on the ocean, but it was like desert basically right up to the ocean and so there were flies and like they would fly in your mouth and your nose and your eyes and any you'd open your mouth and there'd be three flies in your mouth it was just disgusting it was gross and so like I couldn't get out of bed one day like we had all these activities planned with the kids and we were doing all these different things and I literally couldn't get out of bed and I smashed my finger in the cot that I was sleeping in and thought I'd ripped off the front of my index finger on my hand up for guitar and it was it was just pretty much miserable the food was terrible everything was terrible I hit like the wall and if I could have left at any point in the tour I would have left um, but I was in Australia so I didn't really have the option to leave so I just you know fucked it up but it was not long after that like maybe a week after that that we went to team challenge and they're in the US too but I had never heard of it until we were there I thought it was just an Australia thing but it's a drug treatment program um, and it's really, it's called Teen Challenge, but it's not just for teens. I mean, it's for anybody who's going through treatment. And it's a long process. Um, it's faith-based, but it's very intensive. And we were all dreading going. We all felt like we didn't have anything to offer. We didn't know why the hell they were sending us here. Like, we were trying to find ways to get out of it. None of us wanted to go. And we showed up at this place, and... It was one of the most amazing days of the entire tour. Like, we left, we all left there very energized, and we felt like we had done good while we were there. We felt, and we felt ministered to while we were there. Like, it was like a very symbiotic sort of thing. Like, we were ministering to them, they were ministering to us. Like, it was super cool. They had a couple of bands there, and so they played some songs for us, we played some songs for them. Like, it was just a really, it was really a, wonderful day and like i got to meet dude it's really thundering out holy fuck yeah we we have got a little <laughs> bit of weather going on here and, and please I, for those of you that pay attention to where we live it's not, not a tornado it's not a tornado <laughs> don't get your panties in a bunch like it's just okay. thunder and lightning you, you all have it where you live but so uh like we got a chance to meet there were only a few girls there and there were three girls on our team and the three of us sat with them and at lunch, and like, it was just a very eye-opening thing to sit with them and talk with them, and like it just made me realize how much I had in common with like, this one girl in particular. I don't really remember her whole situation and why she was there and stuff, but um, we had very similar stories. I remember that, like she grew up in a really good home. There was no, there was nothing that was like 
a huge red flag that she was going to be a drug addict and end up in treatment, you know, like she was just a normal girl and through some bad decisions at one point or another ended up there. It was really like an eye-opening thing for me that was like, wow, you know, like that can happen to anybody. Like I'm not special. It could happen to me. You know, like I'm lucky that it didn't happen to me. And so like we we all let, like that was really a a huge, a huge step for all of us that day. And so that's the turning point of the trip for you. So you guys, then how how long after that do you guys finish up? Well, so in in Australia and New Zealand. So we still would have had we weren't even in Perth yet. So we had like a month in Perth. So we were because we were in like the Adelaide area for almost two months, and we were in Perth for about a month, and then we went to New Zealand for about a month, and then we came back to the U.S. We had a week off. And then finished up the tour. So that was like May that we got back. And then we finished up the following August. And so that was a really transformative experience for you. So you get home, you finish up your tour, you, and then you go back to Minnesota. Yeah. So when you get back to Minnesota, do you have an idea of what you're going to do with your life? Are you getting, (laughs) do you have anything lined up or are you just, What's going on when you get there? Well, the whole first half of the tour, like basically all the way up until when we went to Australia, I was looking for colleges the whole way along. Um, I was getting my application together. I was getting ready to, because um, I was going to go back to school. Because I had taken a year off um, before the year before I went on team. And I didn't plan for that to be an extended an extended lapse in school. Like I, I, I was really planning on going back. And then as I, I really felt like youth ministry was what I wanted to do. And while I certainly could have gone, went and gotten a degree in youth ministry, I felt like that was going to prepare me for little else. And so then if that didn't work out, which in the long run it didn't, um, then I wasn't going to be prepared for anything else. And so I decided that I didn't want to go to school for that. There were other options. Um, there's a youth director training program called Tent Makers that I talked to and almost trained with at that point. Um, and, uh, and or like I had talked with about training with once I got done with team and stuff. Um, but in the end, what, what ended up happening is we did a concert at the church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I really connected with the pastors there, and they ended up bringing me in for an interview. I think I was home for a week, um, and I went down and interviewed, and then they hired me, and I was there like within – you know, a few weeks after. So do you think that you made the most out of what you got out of your your journey through there? Did when you got did you take what you learned and, and really applied it or mm, y- yes. Um but I went into a very difficult situation that I wasn't really prepared for. The church in Eau Claire was a uh so they had gone through a major upheaval. They had had a staff that was very dysfunctional um, in before, and the lead pastor had changed, I think, like a year maybe before I came on, and then the associate pastor was new as well. Like She had maybe only been there for a few months. And so there was very much an old staff and new staff sort of feel, like the some of the other ladies that worked in the office and stuff, like they were old staff, and there was a very definite feel to that. Do you think that this is a bad sign that <laughs> we're finally recording this podcast yep. and there's thunder and lightning going on? Nope. It's, ha- it's been quiet all day. I know. And we come back here to record and no. talking about dysfunction. 
that seems to be a theme for every church you've ever worked in. Have you ever well, went into a church situation that wasn't dysfunctional? No, I mean, there's churches are full of sinners. Like, just because you're in ministry does not, and that, and just because you go to a church, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean you're not dysfunctional. Like, right, but <laughs> not every, not people. every, not every church is completely dysfunctional when you walk. Like, they manage to function without, right? You know. I don't think that every church I've worked at has been dysfunctional, but I've worked at a few that were dysfunctional for okay, sure. Okay, I guess maybe it's just the ones <laughs> I am. Anyway, my, I, went, I got off a team. I was on a real spiritual high. I really felt like I knew myself, although I don't really think I did. I really felt like I did. Um, and I went into this situation at this church, and they were really asking me to build a ministry out of nothing, and I didn't really know how to do it. And so I think... I was only ended up being there for seven months and they let me go. But it was a really, like, I let them take a lot away from me. I let them beat me up a lot. And I would never allow that now. Um, but I really, I left there not knowing who I was. I didn't know if I even, I knew I never wanted to work in a church again. It was a really, I, I left there with, I was a whipped puppy. Like, I left there with my tail between my legs. And as I was packing up my apartment, um, a pastor friend of mine called me up and said, you know, hey, I hear you're leaving your church. We need a youth director. You should come and interview. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to work in a church anymore. Like, I'm, I've had my experience with that, and I'm done. And he was like, well, what are you going to do instead? I was like, well, I don't know. I'm moving home, and I'm going to work at a freaking L&M. He was like, I think you should just come and interview at least. And so I came and interviewed, and they were working with tent makers. So then ultimately – they paid for me to go through tent maker training, um, and I, I was there for a year and then left and moved to Minneapolis to start doing music. Was there a divert? Did you kind of go away from your faith? No. In your spiritual music stuff, or what were you doing with your music? Well, when I when I moved to Minneapolis, so I got a job. I was working for American Express. And so that was paying my bills, at least. So I was covered for that. And then I started um, I started really trying to gig. And so I was playing around. The way that it kind of worked out is that I, I had been praying about whether I needed to leave my church or not and really felt like I was supposed to. And so I left my church. And then literally, like, that same day, I had, like, three or four different music gigs set up like to do worship at retreats or to go do like an event or stuff like do music for an event and stuff like and stuff. And so it really felt like, all right, you know, like I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do and God's making it easy. Like he's just giving it to me and yay. And so I, um, I started doing retreats and then got a call to do music at a camp for a summer. And so I'm working at American Express. I have this corporate job and I was really conflicted at first. I was like, well, I can't, you know, like, they're not going to let me leave. I haven't even been, I, mean, I don't, I haven't even been there a year, I don't think. So I thought about it and I was like, no, you know what? Like, that is why I left my job at my church. Like, I wanted to be doing music and this is a chance for me to do music at a church. They're going to pay me enough that I can live on. Like, I'm not getting slave wages. And so I need to do this. And so... I talked with my supervisor at work, and they gave me a leave of absence for the summer, so I was able to go and do the camp, and it was super fun. Like I had a wonderful experience with Splash Camps and did that for two years. 
and for two summers. And the second summer, I was able to um, to just quit the job at American Express, and um, and then that next year, I did. I worked at um, Grace Church Roseville as a music. I was actually a music intern, like a worship intern in their in their youth program. Um, so I got to do music with their youth group, and then uh, how how important was that internship at Grace for you? Really important. I feel like because I mean you have relationships still. that have come out of that that still exist today. That I mean are true deep friendships, relationships. Yeah. And just how important was that? Like I think what make that important is there were several things like I remember being there and just feeling like I was exactly where I was supposed to be I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing and I don't think I'd ever felt like that before I just really felt like this is exactly where God wants me to be and so I felt very fortunate to have my time there and I worked there for two years the second year was tougher because I ended up having um, I got a full-time job, and so it was a little bit more challenging to manage everything. Um, but really, but still, that first year was really cool. And there's, like, kids that I worked with um, on the worship band there that, like, one of them is a worship leader at a church. And um, and just there's several, several of those relationships that are still very important to me and they are very close friends of mine, and it's cool. They used to be my little kids, and now they're, you know, grown adults and have babies. And whatever. shout out to Joe Lawrence. <laughs> Joe, I think Joe I th- is probably one of my favorite people. He's good people. He is tremendous. They're little adorable, squishy faced little babies. Aiden is pretty dang cute. Are there kids named Aiden that aren't cute? I don't. I haven't met any. I don't think you're allowed no. to be named Aiden and not be cute. No, because my my little co- my cousin's little boy Aiden is pretty freaking adorable, and their Aiden is adorable. So, who else? Who else from Grace Church Roseville do we still know? Mark and Emily are from there. Two um, of my other favorite people. Yeah, and Colin. Colin, it's not that I don't like you. I just don't really know you as well as the other <laughs> we people. We haven't spent as much time with Colin. So there's more people that like maybe you haven't met. Like, okay. Uh, um, Elise is still like we're friends on Facebook and stuff. But there's still like several little kids that I'm friends with on Facebook now that they're all they're all grown. So your transition from living up north then to Wisconsin and then to Minneapolis. Um, how how did that change you? Not just not just faith wise, hmm. but culturally, just for you personally. Like what are what were some of the things that you started to do that that you didn't do before or that you got into? Well, I was going to a lot of shows. Um, like I love to go see live music, and I didn't go to my first concert, like my first real concert, until I was a senior in high school. My parents just didn't really ever think about any of that stuff to go to a concert. Like, just never occurred to them. I think my parents have been to, like, one concert or two concerts maybe in their whole lives. And so, like, um, I mean, I was to more concerts than that last month. So um, I started going to a lot of shows and going to see a lot of bands, and I started playing out. Um, so that was super fun and um, really started to kind of get into it really, I mean, more specifically the Christian music scene, but really started to get more into the music scene in the Twin Cities. And there's a really good music scene. There's a real vibrant music scene. So it's a fun place to be musically. Not a lot of people make it out of there and, um, you know, have any sort of success out of it. 
there's just a really fun crew of people that are there. So. Back then, what was like one of your favorite shows that you ever went to? Um, that would be POD, POD and Project 86, and then Head PE, who was not my favorite, but Project 86 and POD at the Quest was, and actually that was, I believe, the day I moved from, um, from Pine City, which is where I've been youth directing before, um, to my apartment in Blaine. That was that night. So we'd moved all my crap into my apartment and then changed really quick and went to the Quest and watch the show. It was so fun. Such a good show. Actually, I have several of my favorite shows. Like, probably five of my top ten shows I've ever seen were at the Quest. What other good shows did you see there? Uh, I saw Thrice there. Didn't we? Yeah, we saw Thrice up in the small room. I can't remember what it was called. Ascot room. Ascot room. Saw Blindside several times there. We saw POD with Blindside opening for them there, and Blindside blew their butts off the stage like they were so. <laughs> but Blindside was one of those bands that like, if you don't know Blindside, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And if you don't know Thrice, I feel really bad for you. Um, but. <laughs> I don't feel that sorry for you. But Blindside was one of those bands that they were either really good or really not. Like they had no in between in their shows. They're really good in a small room, and we saw them a couple times. And I had like a crew of, it was all guys and then me, because none of my girlfriends listened to the music that I listened to. So, um, so that's when there's a lot of guys that couldn't handle the the music that you listen to. <laughs> I know, but so that's when like my friend Hanson, who's become a really good friend of yours now, she's Show probably me. better probably better friends with you now than he even is with me. Well, um, that's because I work at being his friend. Yeah, we don't really work at our friendship. We just, you know, we pick it up that's when we pick it I'm up. That's because I'm way more often than that's you true. are. That's true. But so, uh, he and I started going to shows a lot. Well, there was a crew of us, and they were all, all of us were single at that point. And so the, it was me and a bunch of guys that we would all go to shows all the time. And then the guys slowly, slowly started getting all married. And then Hans and I were the last two that weren't married. And so we would still go to shows together. Um, but yeah, like we went to a ton, a ton, a ton of shows. Do you think Chum is staying not married just so he can be the one person in the group that was still different? Like he's the one <laughs> bucking the tide? I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe he just is naturally a contrarian and all of that entire crew got That's married. Me. And so he is just being on his own. Chum, if you're listening to this, we love you. I Very know much. that you know this. Can't wait till you come down and see us again. Yeah. Since he gets the award for being the friend who has come and visited us the most. He gets the award for being the friend that's come, the only only friend friend. to come and see us. But in fairness, Chum has, Hanson has has a a way different lifestyle, but also his work flexibility makes things different. You know, he gets time off on the road and stuff like that. Yeah. And he has been smart enough to not weigh him down, weigh weigh himself down with children. So he has the flexibility (laughs) to just leave whenever he wants. We're going to take a little bit of a serious turn here. Um, Why why do you think music hasn't worked out for you? Honestly, because I've never worked really hard. I would have I just never had the drive to work for it. Like if it didn't just fall into my lap, I was like, All right, well, it wasn't meant to be <laughs> And so it's such a like it sounds so pathetic to say it that way, but really I think that that's it. Like it's not that I don't have desire to sing all the time, like, I certainly do, like, that is, I mean, 
my favorite thing to do. Although I hardly Your ever favorite do it. thing to do is something that you never do anymore. I know. But yeah, I don't I don't really have an answer for that and why that is, but I definitely feel like like music was really music comes from a place of misery for me <laughs> and loneliness and so that's like how I would express all that stuff. And I don't know that I've ever I haven't really worked hard to try and figure out how to express joy and happiness through music. So basically you're blaming me. So really it's your fault. You made me fault. too damn happy, John. You ruined everything. <laughs> Once again, I have destroyed something wonderful. So if you're mad at Nikki not doing her music, you know who to blame. Mm. And you can feel free to send your blame to me on Twitter <laughs> at J A W G P O D. Please follow. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I love Twitter. If you don't follow me, then it makes me feel bad about myself. So even if you don't want to use it, just create an account and follow me so I can feel better about myself. <laughs> do you think that you will try to do music again? You know, like even if it's just for you? Yes, I do. I think like the hard thing with music for me is that when it's not easy, when it doesn't just flow, I don't want to do it. And so, like, not it's not that I don't have a desire to pick up my guitar, and it's not that I don't have a desire to sing, but if it doesn't just happen, then I don't want to do it. I think that's why I didn't enjoy studying music. Like, music is a very emotional thing for me. And so that's how I express myself best. And I don't feel like I know how to, I don't know. Like, I just haven't, I haven't felt that, like, burning desire for it that I used to. Not that I don't still love it. I just don't have that burning desire anymore. So should I just break up with you for a while so that you can find the pain <laughs> no. in which to do music? No. I've had a lot of things in my life that have been depressing, but I would say that you not doing music ranks really high on that list for me. And I'm going to put you on blast on this because <laughs> this is a lot of people are going to hear, and this comes from a place of love, but it pisses me off. And I can't lie about that because, and I think I think it pisses me off because it's the same thing that I do and I don't work hard at things. That's the thing that I get pissed off at myself because I look at my parents and their work ethic and I wonder why the fuck I don't have it. Look at my mom. After my parents got divorced, we lived in Gates and my mom would drive an hour each way to go to work and work all day and drive home and come home and make dinner and take care of the house and all those things. And that was like, I don't think I really ever heard her complain about that. Mm -hmm. And she just got on the grind and she just did that. And then she would volunteer at the fire department and she would do all of these things. And I just wonder where, where along the way did I, why did I not get that? My dad, my dad always has 17 different things going on. Always. My dad is the master of doing a thousand things at once. I look at that and I'm just, why isn't that us? Why are we almost the exact opposite of that? <laughs> my parents have awesome work, work ethics as well. They work super hard. We are terrible work ethic people. <laughs> we are it's lazy. <laughs> so even though you didn't think that we could carry this over to a second episode because you're not interesting enough to <laughs> carry over, I think... I think this is going to be a good place to put a pin in it for uh, this episode. 
Uh, we still have a lot of stuff we haven't, we haven't talked about. Like we haven't even We've, talked how we met yet. Yeah, and so that's a perfect place. So if you come back next time, we're going to get into how the wonderfulness of <laughs> Dustin and Nikki happened. Um, it's a fun story, at least to us, and, and we think that uh, that you'll enjoy that. Um, we should end on maybe some sort of high note, because the last five minutes have been kind of the top five albums of all time. And um, I know you, so it's a fluctuating list. Like, it's a if hard I ask list. you next week, it could be something it completely different. It might be different. different. Soul Jam 10. Um, it's harder for me with albums. It's more artists. Can I just do artists instead? Okay, I fine. I didn't five. realize that it was your podcast. <laughs> okay, so what was my favorite? Is that Was that the question? Yeah, let's go top five favorite. Beatles. Pearl Jam. Right. Uh, so those are my top three for sure. And then after that, it would go, like, I'm thinking of stuff I really like now, but that's not necessarily, like, all time. Uh, no Sarah, no Mumford, no, like, the, the, are those too new to be on the top five? Yeah. I need more albums so they can be in my top five. Sarah has, like, five awesome albums. Yeah, it'd be close. And you've actually met her. I know. Seriously, it shouldn't be this hard. Jeremy. I know, it's hard, though. It is. Um... So this isn't working, obvious favorite concert ever. I don't know that this is exactly true, but I would say that my first show that I ever went to would be my most favorite show ever. And that would be um, Lemonheads at First Ave. That would be my most favorite show because it was the first time I'd ever been into First Avenue, which is like this iconic iconic club um, in Minneapolis and... I loved the Lemonheads so much. I was super excited to see them, and I was super close to Evan Dando, who was super hot. Um, <laughs> I had a big, huge crush on him. <laughs> a huge crush on him in high school. Um, Wait, did you have a huge crush on him in high school? Huge. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think, and while there are shows that I probably liked even more than that one, that is a very special show for me. Always. What's your favorite concert that we have been to together? I would say Sarah at the Parish. Yeah? Yeah. I was pretty drunk for that show. <laughs> Me too, but it was really fun. <laughs> it was awesome. So you would you would say Sarah at the Parish is your favorite over Mumford and Guthrie? Yes, because it was a 5,000 freaking degrees. And so it was so damn hot. And even when we saw them in Austin, it was so hot. Yeah, we've never seen Mumford indoors. No, like it's been misery every time we've seen them. So but the pain is worth it for Mumford. For sure, like they're awesome, and it's definitely in my. They're definitely high up on the list, but because of the agony of the the physical agony of the shows, it it has an impact. I also think that like like Foo obviously was awesome when we saw them at the OK, and like. Heim, um, we just saw them last month. Like, they were freaking awesome. Like, I maybe it's because I knew all the songs and stuff, but like, them at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa is such a perfect venue for them. They're so fun in that size of a room, and they were, they were awesome. Like, I really loved that show. And for for all the frustrations that we have of living in Oklahoma. Kane's Ballroom is probably the best part of that. That is here. maybe the coolest thing about moving to Oklahoma is getting to go to. No, the coolest thing about moving to Oklahoma is getting busted. Here's our duck. This is true. 
but the second coolest thing is Kane's Ballroom. And, like, because if you don't know Kane's Ballroom, so Kane's Ballroom is this old, it was like a country western dance hall back in the day. And so. The home of Bob Willis. Yeah. And so, like, they've got this old, like, I don't know how old that floor is, probably 70 years old, something like that, at least. At least. And then they have all these big pictures all along the wall of all the different singers that and musicians that have sung there, of like the old country and western And that musicians. place is a who's who of artists. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, everybody it played there. The first avenue to Minneapolis is Kane's Ballroom to Tulsa in yeah. terms of the kind of the caliber of bands that have come through starting out at their peak. I mean... It's insane. And it's so random, the shows that they bring there. Like, we saw Social Distortion there. We saw Social Distortion and then The Staves, who, by the way, you should be listening to The Staves if you're not. Everyone should listen to The Staves. Oh, I love those girls. Um, we saw in like a week, in one week's time, we saw Social Distortion and then we saw The Staves, which could not be more different. And like, I've seen um, Under Oath there and August Burns Dread, who are very heavy bands. They bring like Snoop Dogg was there. Like we didn't go see that show, but um. like they've had Guar, they've yeah. had Tech Nine, Snoop. Um, they have country music all the time. Yeah, like, like Civil Wars, we saw them there. That was a great show oh, too. Civil oh, that, Wars. That, that show was really good. Man, that's a show that I forget about how good it was. Man, they like, were good. Like it is really a sad thing to me that Civil Wars are maybe no more. Like that just is a travesty to me. I think Civil Wars and Thrice are in a similar place in my mind. Although, Thrice, there's a possibility that there'll be another album someday. I don't think there's much possibility that there'll be another Civil Wars album. And, like, that is such a shame because I feel like on both of them, Thrice's last album and the Civil Wars' last album, well, they only had two, I think, but um, they are achievements. Like, they are something that you work really, really hard at. Like, they are career sort of albums, I feel like. And I mean, not maybe not everybody would agree with me, but that last Thrice album is one of my all-time favorite albums for sure. That's in my top five if I had to name a top five album. And even though my all-time favorite Thrice song isn't on that album, that last album is so good. Like every song is ridiculously good. And so like, it is so sad to me that that is. It, on one hand, it's like so sad to me that. They put that out, and they were on such a good direction, and then they're done. But on the other hand, like, what a great way to go out. So, you know, I guess you can look at it two ways. But that last Civil Wars album is so good. So good. So, since we've lived here, what do you think, the what's the funnest thing that we've done since we've lived here? UFC show. You think UFC is the number one? That is the funnest thing we have ever done, in my yeah, opinion. It's pretty great. If you haven't been to a UFC... And it's hard to say, though, because not all UFC show. shows are going to be like that. Yeah. 19,000 people at the uh, American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Robbie Lawler versus Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks adopted hometown. An Oklahoma boy fighting in Dallas. That place was insane. And to- it was a fun card top to bottom. Yeah. Like, there was only maybe one fight that was boring out of the whole night. Yeah. And it, was the, it was the girls' fight, right? It was no, the, that got... Um, Guy who got let go, um, Jake Shields. Oh yeah, yeah, Jake Shields. He fought uh, Hector. The girl Lombard. fight was good. That's right. I'm thinking of uh, the Jessamyn Duke fight a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that, that was, was kind a, of a. There was a there was a really good fight. You think UFC? Um, 
what do you think? Wow. I don't know. UFC is probably. I think if Guthrie would, like, the gentleman, gentleman of the road show would have been, like, that's where we saw Mumford and Guthrie. Like, that would have been probably if it went to have been, like, 110 degrees. Even, even for me, it's not so much that it was so hot for me. It's that I'm so goddamn out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> that, because, I mean, you look at it. I mean, we saw Alabama Shakes, we saw Heim, we saw Mumford. Um, what was that other band that we liked? Something about a bear or something, right? I don't remember. That they were there fun? were good bands though that we saw. I'd have to look at the lineup. And it was we had so much fun at that. Yeah. If we wouldn't have been in so much misery, it would have been even more yeah, fun. Yeah, it was just way too hot. And the way they structured the parking for that... So dumb. Yeah. Especially the first day. Yeah, we... We should not have parked out in that stupid field. (laughs) (laughs) So how excited are we about uh, a new Foo Fighters album? Very excited. I can't wait to hear it. I'm really excited to hear what they're doing. Uh, It sounds like they're doing a little bit different direction, so I'm really interested to see what they're doing. I think it uh, kind of based what I read... Is it's a Foo Fighters album for sure, but it's gonna have influences from the different musicians yeah. and the different studios that they travel to, and we're gonna get to see how that all comes together with the HBO show that they're gonna do. They're going to eight or nine different cities and different yeah, studios, recording and, in different studios and recording. recording a different song in each one with you know, guest appearances, um, Joe Walsh, um, jazz band in New Orleans. Uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. All who, kinds like, of Cheap Trick is like, reminds me of my childhood, The Dream Police. Freaking love that album. The Dream Police, they're living side of the world. I was so musically sheltered as a kid. I listened to, like, Boys to Men and Bell Biv DeVoe and well, New Kids on too. the Block. I know, but I didn't. I don't. I, like, Bon Jovi was metal to me. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't call Cheap Trick metal, but... No, 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 I know, but, I know but that's what I'm now. saying. For me, like, they Bonjour were so metal. <laughs> they were so metal. It's dark, man. It's fucking dark. <laughs> it's, cold. it's pretty dark, man. Uh, if you get that reference, we want to be your friend yes, as well. Yes, that's true. J-A-W-G-P-O-D. Thank you. More Twitter <laughs> followers, please. Also, if you want to participate in the show and you're not on Twitter... You can send an email to the show. Uh, it's jogpod at gmail.com. J-A-W-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us an email. How fancy are you? You got an email even, well, man. You know. What? You have to have an email to have the Twitter account. Oh, right, right, right. So. Word. Shaking in the egg. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so. Uh, what's the uh, what's the likelihood I'm gonna get some chocolate chip cookies tonight? Could happen. Could happen. Quarter after seven, maybe. We got time. I feel that since I stepped up to the plate and I'm getting this podcast out there, that I deserve some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it's not out there yet. Especially, yeah, but it's recorded. It's true. Especially with that beautiful intro that I wrote for you. It was very nice. And I only stole like three quarters of that off the internet. In fairness, it wasn't copy and pasted. Oh, okay. I just, I, I took a theme. 
from somewhere on the internet that I finally made it my own. But it was all from a place of love. <laughs> and of love. <laughs> thank you for being the first guest on uh, on the podcast. Thank I you. am so grateful uh, to have you in my life, to have you push me to, to try new things, to uh, be a better person, and uh, for always believing that there is a better man inside of me than I believe that there is in myself. And I will forever be grateful for that. So we're going to wrap it up. Come back. We will uh, have another part. We'll get into a more sappy stuff. I'll probably cry next time. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to. I don't know how you could not think that that would be worth listening to. <laughs> so come on back to the Jog Pod. Thanks so much for checking us out. And uh, always protect the fire. It's just me against the world. Yeah.